Today's part two of three on the kingdom of heaven. And last week was the appetizer. This week is the main course. And next week will be the dessert. So last week, we were looking at the pearl of great price, which I'll just talk about in just one minute. Uh, Our goal today is to allow the words of Jesus to bring clarity to each one of us about our commitment to the kingdom. Clarity for each one of us about our own commitment. Last time I spoke about Jesus' passion for the kingdom. He spoke about it over a hundred times. It was the goal of his life. He lived and died for the kingdom. And he called us to follow the kingdom with the same passion. We're going to look at the long-promised kingdom that finally arrived. We're going to look at the new set of laws in this kingdom. And we're going to look at how to get citizenship. So Jesus, as I said last week, told a parable of a man who was a pearl merchant. And one day he saw a pearl that was way better than he'd ever seen in his life. So what did he do? He sold everything he had, everything, in order to get that pearl. It cost everything. And he's calling us to have the same commitment to his kingdom, that when we understand what it is, that we will say, I am going to give up everything for the sake of that. It's not just one priority in our life balanced against others. It permeates everything in our lives. We saw last week that the the kingdom is not the church. They're related. The church is an expression, but the kingdom is actually God's rule, not just not just here on a Sunday morning, but when you're at work, in every relationship you have, in every ambition you have, in your finances, in every area of your life, God's kingdom is his rule coming down. And so if you're willing to see him as see it as a pearl of great price, you will sacrifice everything for that. Be willing to sacrifice everything. So that's a quick summary of last week. What I want to talk about this week is this expectation of the coming kingdom that was promised for so long. For hundreds of years, you read the Old Testament prophets, they've been saying there's a kingdom coming. It's like the kingdom of David, only better. God is going to once again be moving. There's a kingdom coming. And the excitement was building. But... The excitement had been going on for a long time. This Messiah had been expected for a long time. And they were waiting. If you read the uh, history from the time, writers talk about messianic expectation, how there was an increased awareness at that time. And Jews were going out into the desert to, to, to wait for him there and to do other. All kinds of things were happening because people were expecting the Messiah to come. And then a man comes in the wilderness called John the Baptist and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Excitement is building. Was this what they were waiting for? 
for all these years. Shortly after that, Jesus comes on the scene and he makes an announcement. Well, how did this happen? I did, I, it was, this is, this literally happened one Saturday in a synagogue. In Luke 4, we read about it. Now, Jesus walks in. He asks for the book of the prophet Isaiah. And we can assume that Jesus had taught himself to read because he was able to pick this up. And he opened the book and found the place where it's written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, these are kingdom promises. They all knew that. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And they're all waiting. What's this man going to say? They could never have guessed what he was going to say next. He said, he closed the book, gave it back to them, and said, and he sat down. They, they sat down to preach in those days. Maybe I should be sitting down preaching here instead of standing up. But they sat down. Anyway, he sat down. Everybody's watching him. What's this man going to say? He began to speak to them. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. After all of this time, finally, it was fulfilled. Here he was. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And then they said, is this not Joseph's son? And now we're having the first inkling of a problem. The first inkling of a but. So he said to them, you will surely say to your proverb, this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in this country. And so this is Joseph's son. Why, you know, who, what's special about him? But then Jesus says something really shocking. And no prophet is accepted in his own country, he says. And you've got a history of this. In fact, he says, I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine in all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, in other words, a Gentile area, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Can you guess how this went down? What would you think? How do you think this went down well? Well, what happened was, all the all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. They led him to the brow of a hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. And passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Wow. So this is how the kingdom got started. A bit controversial. Let me ask you, it seems a bit strange Jesus would sabotage his message like this by by um, immediately plugging into their anti-Gentile sentiment like this, pushing their buttons. Why do you think Jesus did this? Like, why not start a bit softly and get some people on his side before he pushes their buttons? Any suggestions? Yeah? 
He's bringing something different. Yep, that's very true. I think that's the core of it. So uh, what's going on here, I think, is this, that we all like to fit things into the categories we know already. Oh, yeah, I know what a Messiah is going to do. He's going to free us from the Romans, da, da, da. And right from the beginning, Jesus has got to challenge them. Now, you don't know what I'm talking about. This is radically different. This is outside the box. And I'm going to challenge you to think differently. And hopefully, I can challenge you a bit this morning. I know you already know the end of the story, so it's going to be harder to challenge you. But I want some challenge to be in this message. And I want Jesus to challenge you, not me. Because Jesus is radical. And we can hear him filtered for our own comfort. And he is radical. So um, Jesus said then to his disciples... To you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. What's going on here? What's this mystery? Well, in a few minutes, we're going to look at some of these kingdom parables that Jesus is talking about, and we're going to see why there is a mystery. Um, So as he begins his ministry he begins to validate what he's been saying with healing people, casting out demons, and even forgiving sins. And so people are caught in a, in a problem here. Like, I don't like what this guy is saying, but what he's doing is amazing. What am I going to do? And so they couldn't just ignore him. So let's follow through the story. Jesus inaugurates, begins to preach the kingdom, and then the kingdom grows. His following grew. As his followers grew, so did this opposition. And part of what Jesus did was he did miracles for Gentiles as well, increasing the opposition. And that was a clue that this was something different that they weren't expecting. And the Messiah wasn't saying the things that they were expecting. So let me explain what I mean by that. Um, that they, at that time, there was horrible oppression by the Romans. If you read anything about Roman dominion, it was quite um, brutal. And so if there was a rebellion, like, sorry, if some Jews didn't seem to be behaving properly, just kill them all. It was absolutely brutal. And um, the the, uh, feeling the Jews had was, God is going to free us from the Romans. And so the first thing they wanted from the Messiah was that he was going to do that. And uh, there were various people who claimed to be the Messiah all the time in that period of time. We can read that in history. And this is what they did. They led little rebellions and then got killed. And so they were looking for Jesus to fit into this mold, to say, I'm the king, follow me into this military campaign. And they would have loved that. In fact, if a king can heal the, heal the sick and heal injuries, he'd be great as a captain of your army because anybody gets injured, he just gets healed. In fact, he can raise the dead so you're invincible. This would be a great military commander. And so the, uh, the opposition was growing, particularly from the religious leaders who had already decided what this was going to look like. So this then is my first point The long-promised kingdom finally arrives. But what happens then? With a new king, you get a new set of laws. 
And Jesus began teaching these, these new laws, which were totally, radically different to everything that they'd seen before. And so we can see these, to start with, laid out in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's called that because it said Jesus went up on the mountain and the people followed him and he spoke. And we read about this in, in of course, this teaching in Matthew, Mark and Luke. This core teaching. So uh, some of the things that he said, um, uh, like, blessed are the poor, you know, that sort of thing. That was part of this teaching. We don't read it in John's Gospel because John was written later than the other three and he assumes you've read it. He assumes you know the story. Like, he doesn't tell us about Jesus' birth in, in any detail because he assumes you've read that. John is actually um, building on top of what the other three have written. But the other three all give us the Sermon on the Mount in various degrees of detail. And the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we have... Things like, you've heard it said unto you, da-da-da, but I say to you, da-da-da. That was a frequently repeated thing. And this was very challenging to them because they'd heard it from Moses. They'd heard Moses tell them this. And he's saying, but I say to you, but who are you, Jesus? Like, you telling us you're greater than Moses? Yes, he says, I am. I am the new one, the new Moses. I'm the new one who speaks God's truth to you. Um, In fact, one place they challenged him about Moses and he says, Moses gave you bread from heaven. I am the bread from heaven. So his teaching then was really in opposition to the law they had. Other kind of uh, teaching, blessed are the dot, 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 for they shall be dot, 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 which we call the Beatitudes. So this was the kind of thing that he was saying, and I'm just going to give you some examples from here. And we're going to be looking at some verses from Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading today from, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're going to be reading some kingdom verses from the beginning of each of those so you can see how this fits together. So first of all, let's look at Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Okay, well, we don't disagree with that. So what's the problem, Jesus? But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable for, to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable to hell a fire. What's going on here? So I don't, I, 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 um, I, I think this, it means, it means, means anger without a cause. One of the other places says anger without a cause. But, but this is saying, look, murder begins with, with something in your heart. And Jesus starts making uh, judgments about their hearts. Um, He goes on, um, upside down teaching, like loving enemies, not fighting back when attacked, loving those who hate you, not worrying about your most important needs. Everything is free, yet comes at a high price. Can you see? Upside down. Um, Love those who hate you. You love your enemies. Everything's free, but you're expected to, to, to give everything. The, the, the pearl of great price. Laying down all your life, all you have in this life, 
God gives you much more. And many more teachings which people call the upside down uh, uh, kingdom. So it's the, te- it's the kingdom that is reversing everything. Well, this is very strange. What's, what's going on here that Jesus should want to turn everything upside down? How could we possibly do this? Um, in previous verse in Matthew 5, he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Is this like super hard laws? It's just harsher laws? Well, we discover, as we learn from Jesus' teaching, he doesn't just give us a way of living, but he provides the strength for doing that. In fact, you don't get into the kingdom by doing the law. This is the extraordinary thing. If you're in the kingdom, you will naturally keep the law. But you can't get in by doing the law. It's reversed. It's reversed. I mean, imagine, imagine you're, you know, most of us here have actually come to Canada at some point from somewhere else. And we've gone through the process or going through the process of getting our PR and citizenship and whatsoever. And imagine you come in and uh, you say, and they say, you know, we've got all these laws in this country. You say, okay, yeah, I, I'm, I can see you've got those laws. And they say, but don't worry, if you get citizenship, you'll just automatically follow the laws. Don't worry about that. You don't have to try and do anything special. No, that, that wouldn't work here. But what with Jesus, he says, I will come and live in you and there'll be a principle in you that will want to live the laws. And so even though Jesus' kingdom seems to have far more laws, you don't get in there by keeping the laws. You get in some other way, which we'll talk about in a moment, but then being in the kingdom, living according to this new life that you have, brings the laws out in your life. So, in um, also Matthew 5, is another example. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, this was something way beyond most of the laws in the Old Testament because they dealt with your behavior. This law is invading your thought life, which many of Jesus' laws did. And the problem with this is that People were looking for something external. They were looking for a a physical, earthly kingdom, and they got a predetermined idea, and now Jesus was giving them this totally way out kind of teaching, kind of law they'd never encountered before. The disciples, even the disciples had trouble getting this. We read at one point, Jesus is speaking in a village and the people reject him. And the disciples said to Jesus, shall we call down fire from heaven on these people? And Jesus looked at them sadly and said, you don't know what kind of kingdom. You don't know what manner of spirit you're following. This isn't what we're following. So Jesus' kingdom then was a kind of kingdom that was radically different in terms of not being external, but internal. And also something which had a very, very different kind of laws. And so the long-promised kingdom arrives. The new kingdom has a new set of laws. But the most important thing I want to talk about this morning is the last one, 
how to get citizenship. And this is when we move from Matthew, Mark, and Luke to John. And one of the Pharisees, to give him credit, had some thoughts about this. And at night time, in secret, he came to Jesus. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he says, okay, here's my problem. You must be from God, but... But what's what's with this teaching? Jesus Jesus didn't get him give him a chance to say to raise his problem. Jesus said, "I truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God." Now you might say to me, Andrew, doesn't it say born again here? Well, I want to say that the word there in the Greek is anuthan, the word to be born, the the word above, and every single time. John uses this word, he means from above. But Nicodemus misunderstands him as being, uh, to saying from again. And so unfortunately, some of the very early translations in English use the word born again instead of born from above. Everybody agrees, you read the scholars, everybody agrees it should be, we should translate it born from above. The trouble is nobody's got the courage in translations to to translate it born from above, because can you imagine it, the outcry in social media, you know, here's a new version of the Bible, and they've removed being born again. No, it must be, you know, can't be. But so, but everybody, you look in the margin notes, if they have them, they'll say above next to again. Because actually, this is what Jesus is saying. Um, It's the kingdom of God you've got to be born from. Of course, it does mean being born again. Of course, but born again is not wrong, but it's more than being just born again. This is the key thing. It's not just having another birth. And that's, this is misunderstanding. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus says, no. He says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. So it's got to be the spirit from above who's giving you a new kind of life. So it's not just human life that you have to have, old human life, but a new kind of energy has to come into you through the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is the born of the Spirit is spirit. And so when you're born from above, a piece of heaven comes down and brings new life into you. This is a piece of the life of God through his spirit. And this was the most radical teaching of the kingdom. This wasn't, um, this wasn't clear from the Old Testament prophets, but they did say, they did talk about God circumcising the heart. And there were some illusions that God was going to do some root changes. But the most significant thing about this kingdom was it would actually, you would actually Come into it, gain citizenship by being born into it. By some of heaven, you'd get into the kingdom of heaven by some of heaven coming down and giving life to you. Do not marvel when that I say to you, you must be born from above. Well, you know how that passage goes on, and I'm not going to read the rest of it, but um, Jesus tells him that he has to believe on him to enter this. And 
Jesus says, um, he says to him, I could tell you of, I've told you things on earth and you don't understand. How will you possibly understand things of heaven if you don't have the life of heaven within you? It wasn't about earth, but heaven coming down, another realm. So born, being born from above means literally some of heaven coming down and taking root in you. So I've got three things that I want you to note from this. First of all, without being born from heaven, you can't have a relationship with the king. And the second is without being born from heaven, you'll never really get what the, the, the kingdom is about. Um, you'll never really grasp these, this teaching of Jesus. It won't make sense. It, like laying down your life for Jesus, like what sense does that make? Without being born from heaven, we cannot enter the, the realm of kingdom and, and partake in the blessings. So, so what I want to say now from this is that, um, to get really practical here, um, here is one of the, one of the biggest problems in the kingdom. Can I look at you each one of you and tell whether you've been born from above. Can I? Can I look at you? And like x-ray vision, oh, yeah, I can see the light there, no, not one there. So, so like how we, boom, have we developed x-ray machines yet can, can, can spot new life in somebody? No, we haven't. Like, we can't do that. And so that means it's easy to fake big being a Christian. And Jesus warned about this. Uh, he warned about this problem and he said, this is going to be a problem. And he told a parable. He said, the kingdom of God is like a man sowed his seed in a field. And then at nighttime, an enemy came and sowed. Do you remember what they sowed? Tares, which is a weed in the field. And then when they grew up, they realized that there was something else growing, but it wasn't easy to tell the difference. And the, um, the Jesus said, you have to wait till the harvest before you can tell. And so this is the problem, and Jesus is predicting in the church, and it happened even in, amongst Jesus' disciples, that it's possible for somebody to look like a true believer. Because there's lots of nice things about being part of a church community. You know, there's, there's, there's lots of love, there's blessing and so on, and people are attracted to that. And there have been since the beginning. Just read the epistles, read the letters. And, and Jesus told a parable about this parable of the dragnet in Matthew 13. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And it would drag along the bottom and just pull everything in. When it was full, men drew it ashore, sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So some stuff is edible fish, some is not. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. This is, this is a challenge and it, it, um, I, you may feel that this isn't the kind of sermon you want to hear on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to challenge you right now. Maybe this is you. Because maybe there's, there are some, maybe there's, there's somebody here or somebody listening on the internet and you love being part of the church, but the life of God isn't in you. 
And my prayer this morning is that you will understand whether or not you are truly in the kingdom. And the good news is that all you have to do is to ask. Like Jesus said to the woman of Samaria, ask of me and I'll give you living water. Ask Jesus and he will give you the new life. That's all you have to do. I should say there's one more thing you have to do as well as ask. You have to have to have a sense that you need to ask. You have to realize there's something wrong. You have to, and the word is to repent, which means to turn from what you're doing and say, no, what I'm doing is not good enough. I want this. And you may be sitting here and deep inside, you're not sure that you're truly a member. Just ask him. Just come to him. He loves to give out the blessing of his kingdom. Um, so I want to I want to appeal to you, but uh, also I have a challenge for those here who are members of the kingdom, and this is what I want to land with you uh, this week. But before I do that, uh, just to say that next week we will look um, more specifically about how we respond, how we live in Toronto in 2022 as members of the kingdom. What it looks like, I want to look at the whole subject of healing, I want to look at our daily lives, and also I want to look at what's happening in the future. Like, what's going to happen to the kingdom? Is it going to, is it, you know, there's all sorts of stories out there. I'm going to give you some suggestions about what I think is the future for the kingdom. And you can disagree with me if you like, but I'm going to give you some of Jesus' words. So, so, Let's come now to the challenge that I want to give you. And uh, I want to say there's no reason why every aspect of your life should not receive the kingdom's power. And so this is my last slide today. In Luke 12:32, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is our starting point. So as I challenge you now, God wants to give this to you. He wants you to have more and more of the kingdom this morning. He's not holding you back. He's he's not saying, oh no, you're not good enough. He wants you to have it. He's he's saying, here, take it. Uh, Believe that his heart is to bless you. That's why he wants you to take this risk. Now, I want to say to you that the way we become, we grow in the kingdom is, is upside down. It's surrender to the king. The way we grow is not by trying harder and just trying to make sure we keep all of these laws and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. No, we surrender to King Jesus and allow his teaching to soak in us. So, you know, if you, if you sit down and you read Jesus' words, you read your Bible and you just say, God, please make, change me in this way. May this become me. That's what he loves because you can't do it yourself. You don't have the strength to change your own heart. You have to come to him and say, may your life live in me and may your life take this on this new behavior. Now, that doesn't mean to say that there's no effort. You can just lie down and do it all in bed. You actually have to put effort, but it's not your effort. It's the effort of Jesus working through you. You can't do it with his, without his strength. So climb on him like a child. And this is my best illustration. Just as Jesus took children into his arms and blessed them, 
We have to be like that. And we have to say, imagine, you know, here's Jesus. Jesus, I can't live this life. But I'm going to climb on your lap. And I'm going to ask you to just take me through this. And this is what he wants. Because he would love to give you more of the kingdom. He would love to come into each area of your life. He'd like to come into the relationships that you have now that you're kind of not completely happy with. He'd like to come into that work situation. He'd like to come into that 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 problem you're having uh, in, in some other area. He'd like to come in and just invite him in and say, Jesus, Show me your will in this area. Show me what your kingdom would do. And I, and, and I, please give me the strength to live this out, to your power living in me. So it's upside down in every way. It's upside down in the kind of teaching, but it's upside down in where the strength comes from. Because it comes from trusting him and looking to him and saying, I cannot do this by myself, Jesus. You have to do this in me. And so my challenge to you is to really get this. And to, I'm trying to shock you. I don't think I'm really shocking you very much here. <laughs> so I, I really want to shock you. And I want you to say, Andrew, I, I, I'm going to have to live differently this week. Because I want you to do that. I want you to take this as radical teaching. That you need to, to, to see Jesus' claims on you as radical. He wants everything of you and he's willing, he wants to give you everything. Are you, are you, are you going to really take that? I've, I've read a lot of Jesus' words this morning because I want him to be speaking this to you. And I hope that it connects with you. And at the top of the slide there it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I'm not saying, don't fear this morning. Don't be afraid. Just rejoice because we have such a wonderful king. I'm just going to close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are here right now. You are the king and you're here right now. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll come into each of our hearts right now. If we don't know you because we're not born from above, Lord, we ask you to come and give us your new life. Bring us into your kingdom. And Lord, if we're members of your kingdom, fill us with your kingdom, power and love and joy and that we may live more and more with this heaven inside us. Lord, we ask of you, Lord, we, we confess this is the only way to live and so often we don't live like this. May this week, Lord, be different for us as you fill us. In Jesus' name, amen.